Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, Ari. I am super excited to have you on the podcast. We talked last week and I, I'm so in love with your story and how you totally did the unexpected. So with that, I'm going to just welcome you to the show and let you take it from here and kind of share your backstory and who you are and how you've grown an incredible and amazing business. Thank you, Emmy. I'm excited to be here. Man, my story. And <laughs> I honestly sometimes have no idea where to start, right? Because it's so complicated sometimes. And it's not one of those, you know, smooth trajectory. But to start, I was born and raised in Bali, Indonesia. Growing up, to be honest with you, everybody in my family are all in tourism, right? If you have been to Bali or at least, you know, know where Bali is in the world, it's pretty much everything and anything in tourism. So I thought that, okay, I will end up in tourism. But that's not until I realized I wanted something else. Mm-hmm. When my mom presented me with this application to get scholarship because I told her I don't know what I want to be, to be honest. And I don't know if I ever actually wanted to go to university. And my mom was so big in getting me you know, to university simply because she didn't finish school. And my dad didn't finish school. So as the first daughter, right, the first child out of three daughters, it was a lot on me, right? And I was like, okay, I need to set the example. (laughs) So let's just do it. So I applied and I got in. But then I realized, hmm, this is actually not what I want. So I went into the last interview out of three interviews. This is just like a formality, right? You basically already get it. And I told the judges, and these are, you know, five-star hotel managers, VPs, and all these different people that presenting the scholarship to you. I told them, this is fantastic. I actually have to decline. I want to be an art student, and I want to go to a school for, you know, becoming a graphic designer. And they were like, what? Are you sure? (laughs) It was crazy. I love that, though, right? Like, you had your moment of clarity, and you stood your ground. And I think particularly being that young, like for you to have the confidence and the surety in yourself that this is what you wanted to do with all of that outside pressure. I mean, it's not just these five judges, right? Like your whole family is expecting you to follow a certain path and you effectively were like, nah, never mind. Like, I'm going to go do the thing that lights me up. Yes, yes. I think in a way you can see it as, you know, 
I was lucky to be able to at least have that clarity in such a young age, just like what you mentioned. But it was also a struggle simply because my parents have no idea what graphic design is all about, right? My mom was so, so disappointed that mm-hmm. I turned it down. I think my dad was okay, but she asked me, so what's your plan? My plan was simple, just get to art school, right? And then yeah. become a graphic designer. And she was so scared for me because it's something that she doesn't know. It's something that she's not sure whether or not I'm going to be a starving artist or if I'm actually going to succeed in my career as a designer, right? So she went on and on asking different people. It's like, my daughter want to go to art school. Is it a safe choice? Is it going to be okay? Is she going to have opportunities? That was hard to watch. And I didn't have the guarantee, obviously. I just went in for what I believe would be something that I, I would love to do for myself, right? But I think at the end of the day, she and my dad basically was all okay. They trust me and I finish it pretty fast. I mean, like four years. I mean, that's pretty standard, right? But I did got my first job as a graphic designer, pretty stable job. Yet again, until my husband, back then he was my fiance, he visited me in Bali trying to tell my parents that we're going to get married. And then this conversation around, you know, salary comes up. He noticed how I'm really into designing. And he asked me, so Ari, how much do you actually get paid in this job? Him coming from, you know, United States has completely different mindset than me growing up in Turwell country and in the city or island like Bali. I told him I got paid $250 per month. He was a little bit surprised and he was assuring me like, are you sure you're not adding another zero at the end of that? I told him it was 250. That's it. And I think that was the moment when he just introduced me to these possibilities that I should probably have known, but I didn't have any resources that tell me what opportunities are out there. So he introduced me to the world of freelancing, digital nomad, and, you know, remote work. I got so excited from that moment. And I told my parents yet again, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do this. Yeah. It was pretty a rebel, to be honest, Amy. But you were doing what you needed to do. Like, I think that's phenomenal. Because I'm thinking about my experience with my kids. And both of them chose, I'm going to say, non-conventional paths. My older guy spent a little bit of time at Drexel University and, and really figured out that that was not the thing for him. And he spent a couple of years mentally, not so much locationally because of COVID, but wandering and trying to figure out what he wanted to do, what was the right thing, what life looked like for him. And now he's got his life together and and he's on a path and he's super motivated and driven. And my younger guy knew in 10th grade that he wanted to do woodworking and followed that. And he's like, I know, he's like, I know one thing and that is that I do not want to sit behind a computer all day. And I'm like, what excellent clarity. So I love that at a young age, you had the same, you know, or the same thing, the same clarity. And then when you're, you met your husband, he kind of opened the door, if you will, even further so that you could really follow your passions. Uh, I think that's really bold and courageous and amazing. Thank you, Amy. I think, you know, remembering all these different memories that I had in the past, it was truly a blessing in a way that I finally understand what feels missing, right? Sure, I finally got the job that I wanted as a graphic designer, but 
I still felt something missing. And until I explored a lot of different, you know, design jobs out there and went on as a freelance designer, that's when I realized, oh, this is really fun. Even though, you know, as an early entrepreneur, there's a lot to look at, right? You have to manage your own schedule, be disciplined about it, managing client, communication, sales. That was quite overwhelming, but I really enjoyed the challenge. And, you know, after a year or so, just being a freelance designer, I finally realized I didn't have enough support nor resources in Bali. I mean, today you probably look at, you know, Southeast Asia with the rise of tech startups and capital investment, things like that. There's tons of investment now and resources for women, especially building businesses and tech startups. But, you know, back when 11 years ago, when I left Bali, it wasn't around. And I thought to myself, hmm, we really need to, you know, leave my friends and family and just like venture out to the United States with my husband and just, you know, build something there. It was a hard decision. I know my parents would be super sad about it, but I know they're always going to support me, right? And I think that's the hardest part, saying goodbye and then just like pursuing what you really want to do. And when you feel that it's right, you just like take the leap. So I ended up doing that 11 years ago and started pretty much from scratch here in the Chicagoland area. I'm lucky that I'm being welcomed with such warm, to be honest, with, you know, so many different women entrepreneurs here in, in the Chicago downtown and also in Evanston area where, where I live right now. So I owe it a lot to them to just like help me navigate, you know, as a new immigrant and even like a new business owner as well, because at the same time, in the same year, as soon as I got married to my husband, since he's also a freelance develop developer and I was a freelance designer, he thought it would be a great idea to join, you know, both of our services and expertise and basically build an agency. I thought, hmm, sure, why not? What's the worst that can happen? Right. I would say a lot. A lot of things that we really don't know yet. <laughs> and I think that is what like that thought process of oh, what's the worst thing that can happen right not like really sitting down deeply and being like oh there's so many things that really could happen is what's the catalyst for so many entrepreneurs and moving forward and it's not until you're in the middle of it that you're like oh maybe that was you know not the safest or wisest or you know choice too but then it's you just end it so you've got to make it work yes and that's also exactly what we did i mean both of us was a glorified freelancers. Well, both of us glorified freelancers who honestly have no idea how to start a business, nor did we even know what to do. So we attended a lot of, you know, different workshops, business 101, and eventually we got mentors who really, you know, helping us around setting boundaries. I was telling my husband how to code. He was telling me how to design. It was such a <laughs> It was a hot mess, hot mess for the first two years of our business. And we realized that, okay, one of us got to stay in a company full time and one of us has to be part time and just like, you know, go out there, get a job so that we can actually pay bills properly, right? And have a set funds to deliver to our business so that we can do marketing. So I ended up doing that and I worked for Sears for about four years as their digital designer, just like working through a lot of different you know, projects with them and internal projects as well. After that, though, it was at the same time that we were feeling it's a good year to think about the future. 
right? We start planning for having a baby and I had my first son. He's, he's our only son. And that really opened up a lot of different, I would say, like ideas in my head, right? Like, I just want to be with him. I just want to be close to him. I want to do my own thing. I didn't really want to stay at Sears. So when I discussed it with my husband at that time, this was around probably 2016, I told him that I want to quit my job. I want to join him full time. And he was pleading with his eyes and saying, no, don't say goodbye to, you know, our very safe paycheck. But the thing is that when he said that, I know that this is the one thing that holds me back, right? This is the one thing that if I don't do this now, I'm never going to commit and, you know, helping him building our business together. So I took yet another bold move, leap into the unknown and just like quit this year's job and went all in into my business, Galovia. I never looked back since then, and I hope I would never have to. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, what is what has been the most challenging and what has been the best part of working with your husband? I can't even imagine. Yeah. Because there's a place, and I mean, you touched on it very briefly, of the boundaries where you've got to have some divide between work and the rest of your life. The most rewarding, I would say, is the support. The amount of support, love, and, you know, relentless cheerleading from him it's so great to have someone that I can you know equally share responsibilities with and he knows exactly what to do sometimes when I just feel stuck I would go to him I would use him as my sounding board and he would do the same we're really good as a team that just you know support one another right and I feel like when you have that support you know that you can just like do anything Everything just feels safe, even though you feel stuck, that you know that somebody is cheering on you when you feel down, that you maybe feel like you're not doing enough. Right, They'll right. tell you you did amazing. And what do you feel like is the biggest, like the most challenging one or piece too? The most challenging one is honestly yeah. the first time setting boundaries, especially around, you know, setting our relationship. Working with your spouse, it can be tricky simply because you would see them as your spouse. And you have to separate the feeling about you as the spouse versus you as the business partner, right? So for us, sometimes like seeing that in the very first, maybe like first three to four years, it was really hard because it's very blurry. Mm -hmm. But now we're like pretty good in terms of like, okay, we're on a discussion, all things related to business. I see you equally as my business partner. So I respect what you do. I respect your responsibilities and you do the same to me. I would say that was the hardest thing. Yeah. And also not talking about business during dinner table. That was <laughs> right. I can. Yeah, I would think because I've coached a couple of husband and wife teams in the past. And I think that's been one of the biggest challenges is it's not even separating the work and the rest of life. It's that it's easy to have that idea while you're having dinner with them and go down the rabbit hole. Right. And then you're generating ideas. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's like midnight and you haven't done anything personal or work has taken a whole new direction too. So let's talk about too, like your agency and it's pronounced because it's spelled very differently. It's a very unique name, but it's Sikalofia. Am I getting it right? Sikalofia. All right. I'm going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that it's unusual and that you also were bold in choosing the name that's not super simple to pronounce. So what was 
the catalyst for that? And how are you making magic for your clients? Yeah, the name, to be honest with you, it started way back before I even think about being a designer or even before I even knew I was going to build a business with my husband. The name was something that I completely made up when I was in high school. And when I was in this biology class, thinking that all of these cool biology names got to come up from, you know, somebody, smart people somewhere, right? And I thought to myself, okay, if a lot of these, you know, awesome, smart people in science could create such a name, why can't I? So I created Sigalofia, make a doodle around it, create some cool design. And then the following day, I asked my friend who loves doing screen printing to print exactly the same design into my backpack. I had a black canvas that was pretty blank and I added that design on it. So people start knowing me as Sigalofia ever since. I even use it for my name on different social media and also design websites. And people are just like, you know, slowly getting to know me as that name and the brand equity just like grow on its own. So when my husband, you know, asked whether or not I want to be in a business with him and asked whether or not I want to stay with the same name, I said, sure, why not? So it just has been built up on its own. I didn't even realize that it was actually there for me. Really cool. So do you feel like it's been... Because the name is so different, do you feel like it's been an advantage because people will remember it even if they're not pronouncing it correctly? Yes, there's a good and bad thing that comes with it, to be honest with you. The good thing is that people know that it's unique. People know that it could be a conversation starter, right? The bad thing is that sometimes they would butcher the name and we just start like adding pronunciation on everything in our marketing collaterals, whether it's business card on the website. So that kind of helps. But at the end of the day, they're meeting me and my husband. So almost most of the time they would just like, okay, yeah, talk to Ari or talk to Peter or my husband. Right. So good and bad. I think remarkable names are memorable. So it doesn't matter whether it's pronounceable or everybody's, you know, messing it up or not, it's going to stick in their head. And that is what makes it memorable. But that's just my two. My two I agree. <laughs> so, I love it. And then so you've joined forces. He's doing like, website development. You're doing graphic design. How are you helping your clients? So we have evolved from that. I mean, when we started, we did web development and also, you know, graphic design to start and web design. We have evolved from just doing the implementation, but also starting from the base of strategy, right? So we do brand strategy, UX strategy, or user experience. We also implement all of the findings that we gather from the strategy into the implementation, all the way into supporting them for growth. So once they're done with the website or any other online channels that we help them create, we would also support them down the line. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like a full experience approach rather than a full service approach for our clients. Awesome. Awesome. And you and your husband are now just launching a new book made to sell, right? Yeah. Can you tell me about that? And why write a book? That's a good question. My husband has been bugging me about it, to be honest with you. (laughs) All right, you got to write a book. It's going to help us a lot with business and all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, yes, you could certainly use the book to leverage your knowledge and your expertise in the field. Um, but I didn't want to do it alone. I feel like, okay, you're telling me how to write a book. Let's just do it together. Let's hold each other accountable. So I ended up tagging him along. But, you know, beyond that, we were really discussing what can we really contribute? I mean, there are tons of books out there. Right. And 
a lot of the you know clients who come to us, they have this consistent issue about their website. They either you know create a website just because, or they create a website, but there are no specific strategy or you know a very thought out experience behind it. So we thought, okay, why don't we actually create a book that can really guide you know the readers so that they know what gets into a website that can truly convert. So it is a guide for those who are looking for strategies to improve the website conversion, or maybe like starting to create a website or build a website project that will be able to convert certain goals for their business or for their marketing purposes. Awesome. So where can people get it? It's on Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Feel free to get it on Amazon. Awesome. All right. So we can, we'll have the link in the show notes too. So people can yeah. click on that and find yeah. it on Amazon super easily. I'm really excited about that because I think people have disregarded websites depending on the industry too and how powerful they can be and helping you one generate leads but nurture those leads and bring them into your community and your fold too so any hints you want to share with us about the book and what else is in there yes in terms of websites specifically right if you do have a website which i'm pretty sure a lot of us you know as a business owner we have a business, we have a website, right? Yeah. Really think about whether or not the business truly needs a website. Or do you even have a certain goal for your website, right? If it's just up there, not really doing anything, do you really need it? Could you just like, you know, go by with just a business card or just like any other marketing collaterals? Maybe. But shouldn't the website actually work for you? not you work for the website, right? So think about the goals that you truly want for your website. Is it to gather more leads? Is it to, you know, generate bookings? Is it to sell something? Maybe to actually have a place where people can learn more about you. So start with the goal, whatever that goal may be, and then lean from there. Okay. Are there any businesses that really don't need a website? That's a good question. And actually, I'm not entirely sure because here's what I'm going to say. When I went to Bali recently, since I was obviously from there, but when I, you know, talk to different businesses in Bali, a lot of time they don't have a website. They rely so much on social commerce, like the ones from Instagram, because Instagram can do products now and you can certainly buy directly from Instagram or WhatsApp. So it's more like a very direct approach. But it's just like, okay, go to the website first, check it out, consider it, and then buy. But no, they have completely different approach. So perhaps some of us actually don't need a website. Interesting. Where I want to scale back from social, other people are really utilizing it as their sales performance or their sales page, which is really cool because I had kind of assumed that, you know, just having even a one page, like just a homepage, not a requirement, but always a value add but yeah what you're saying I agree yeah is that there's multiple channels and pick the one that meets your goals that's exactly true and you know when looking at the different channels that we have anything whether it's online or offline right see whichever one works the best for you i mean some of us might rely so much in going to conferences and that's how we generate business right maybe a website is not even needed but for others, you rely so much because that's where your leads coming from. That's where all of your bookings and even all of the, you know, consumer come in because they purchase it from your website. So give or take, I would say whichever one 
going to be the best place for you to do the investment and also gain, you know, the return on that investment, I would say go all in. And the one other thing that I may also want to add is to really look at your user or your target audience, right? Who are these people? If you already know who are your top target audience, for example, maybe these people are women aged 25 to 35 that currently, you know, in the middle of starting a family. So you know exactly what stage in life they're currently in, where they would go for certain information, right? Do they trust their inner circle, like their friends and family? Or do they actually go through, you know, Google search and really going that rabbit hole for all things related to like, you know, building families and babies and stuff. So really looking at where are they and what would they need to do before they get to you? Awesome. Awesome. Such great advice. I want to shift a little bit too and talk about kind of what's new and next for you and how do you see websites and graphic design changing in the next, let's say, five to 10 years? Ooh, that's a good question. I know Web3 is all in the buzz right now, right? I would honestly see things around you know, metaverse definitely going to be big. And beyond that, people probably going to start getting so excited about potentially leveraging the technology we have on a blockchain or anything decentralized, right? So in a way that I feel opportunities in terms of like creating more engagement for your user. Mm -hmm. So beyond just like sharing just information, how can you truly get people engaged not just on your website or maybe like other platforms online where you could gain that same or similar experiences like you would in person. I'm excited personally about that. So we'll see how things are. Yeah, I really like that because that would be super fun to figure out how to create the engagement and the experience virtually, essentially, on your website. So people keep coming back and having, I'm going to say a place to play for lack of a better word at the moment, but a way to engage more fully than just scrolling. Exactly. Because we need to be entertained too, right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We're not having fun. Why bother? So awesome. Eric, this has been amazing. And I love our conversation. Like you are so, so inspiring. And I'm curious, like, do you have any big, bold plans as you're starting to grow your, well, not starting, but as you're growing your business even further or just big, bold plans in a new direction potentially that you want to leave us with? Definitely. Okay. My big, bold plan. Yeah. In 20 years, I'm hoping to sell my agency. So that's my exit plan, right? I mean, I didn't have an exit plan before, but after going through Goldman Sachs and 10KSB program this year, it gives me a ton of clarity. What is it that I want to do for the business? So ramping up a lot more growth in the coming years and eventually exit. And yeah, I'll be talking to maybe more people down the road to see like how to make that happen. I love it. I love it. Because you've really just, I'm still in awe of you just kind of bucking the system, if you will, and being like, I'm just not going to do this. And I'm going to go live this completely different life. Like, And it sounds like you've brought that into your business just over and over again, where you're looking at things newly and really staying aligned with who you are. Yes. And Emmy, I owe this a lot to my parents, right? My mom would say, you only have one life, live to the fullest. That definitely stays with me almost all the time. Whenever I think about 
you know, new things to do or new decision that I need to make? Like, what do I need to consider? Sometimes you just have to go with your guts, right? Sometimes you don't know what's the right answer. But when you feel it in your gut and you just run with it, believe me, you always end up feeling excited about it because you know, even though it's scary, it's going to be worthwhile. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I really, I appreciate you saying that. I agree. Like, but I think doing it is so much harder than just thinking about it. So yes, really value that with, with you and our conversation. Share with everybody how they can get connected with you. I'm on LinkedIn almost all the time. <laughs> so you can find <laughs> me on LinkedIn <laughs> or you can check out our website at cklph.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And as I said, I loved our conversation. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being a listener in the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 